0: Hello, and welcome to Popper's Cage, episode 16. My name is Gabo, and I've got a large number of people with me today. So first on the line is Dime Collector. He's going to be the future host or sole host of of this podcast for now. Uh, Hello, Dime. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 16. I'm very excited. Yeah. So uh,
0: we've got a returning guest John, also known as 8686. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good. Uh, Excellent. And we have a new special guest, and that is Fraggle, also known as Fraggle2 on MTGO. Uh, Fraggle, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing?
2: Hey, guys. I'm fine, and it's a pleasure for me too.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, So today we're going to be looking at the matchups for the Is It Post deck. Uh, we're going to basically finish the primer that we started last episode. Um, so uh, before we go into that, uh, let's, let's uh, get to know uh, Fraggle a little bit more. Fraggle, can you tell us um, so how you got into Magic and, and how you got into Popper and MTGO itself?
2: Sure. Uh, I first started Magic uh, when Apocalypse was released and uh, it, it was a, friend's, a friend who hooked me up with the game. And um, I've been playing uh, continuously since then, but uh, of course uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. And I in 2009, in 2009 I joined, I started with MTGO as uh, all of my friends uh, uh, stopped stopped playing the game, so I wanted to continue and I registered onto MTGO and. Uh, First, I did uh, I think what uh, most people do it was uh, trying to draft,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, of course, after a while, I, I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes, sometime later, I started playing uh, constructed with uh, first with block and then with poker. And um, yes, I first started playing poker with uh, goblins and. Uh, at the beginning, it was quite hard because the format is not really easy to a new player. But um, I, st- I learned uh, pretty quickly, I think, and uh, then moved to Familiar Storm first, when, it, uh, when Frantic Search was uh, still available, mm-hmm. and then uh, to Cloud Post.
0: Oh, and then you stuck with Cloud Post. You liked it.
2: Yes, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I liked that a lot.
0: Uh, though recently you've you've kind of changed to um, Delver, right? I've seen you playing. some yes, but
2: uh, lately I'm not playing uh, much to be honest. Oh. But uh, uh, I switched uh, to Delver for two reasons. First, because uh, I think that uh, Cloud Pot is a good deck, but it has uh, some problems in the combo matchup, and uh, after a while, it started to annoy me. Oh. Yeah. So and the second reason was uh, because I played it for a very long time, I think uh, a year, mm-hmm. and uh, I had uh, I wanted to to play some of the else.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Get just because
2: end. I was I was burned out from uh, playing, yeah, Cloud Post for such a long such a long time.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine that 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 deck that deck can can really burn out after a while. Um, I don't know yes. how you're feeling, uh, John, about playing the deck. You still got got. Uh, You're still enjoying it? Oh, I'm still loving it. Oh, good, good. It's good to hear. Um, Well, uh, thank you for sharing all that, uh, Fraggle, about how you got into... Into magic and popper Now uh, you weren't you weren't part of uh, the last show, but uh, you've you've heard the the actual episode. So um, I was wondering if you had any feedback, any anything you wanted to mention about the composition of the deck before we actually get into discussing the matchups. Uh,
2: yes, I did uh, listen to the last last episode, and uh, I think uh, John did a very good job talking about uh, the deck. Thank you. The only the only two points I can make is. Uh, First, uh, when you talked about um, Akhymanser, that uh, I think you missed that the that, uh, card cost uh, two blue mana. Uh,
3: yeah, True. That was. I think Sorry, that,
2: um... that that is a big drawback uh, when compared to uh, M- Wall, because uh, the deck uh, is very blue mana hungry. So. I believe we
0: we kind of uh, mentioned it very briefly because we had kind of discussed it in a, in a previous episode. We didn't put a lot of of um, importance to that that particular thing. But you, so you're saying that uh, that you believe that that the fact that it does require two blue mana is is a big thing.
2: Yes, I think it is. Uh, the wall is better because you have um, uh, you need less uh, colorless mana to to operate. So. In a sense, it's, it costs less than the than the oh, Okay. Because That's I a mean, good point. You cannot keep uh, Counter Spell Mana up and play Acumancer in the entor- same turn. Or, uh, for example, in the Mirror, the amount of times you can play Capsides is limited by your Blue, ma- your blue Mana. And, uh, so, if you have to return the Capsides from the graveyard,
0: Okay, all right. Do you you have anything to say about that, Dime?
1: No, that's a good point. The blue mana can be very constrained, especially when you want to play capsize multiple times in a turn. Okay. I have one quick question before we get started. You go ahead, Dime. All right, guys, this is for both of you. And there's one question that I forgot to ask last episode. So the pauper metagame, it's... It's so wide open, in a sense. There are a lot of decks to consider, and a lot of these decks are very fast. I feel that the popper metagame is, is, is pretty quick, and there are a lot of degenerate decks running around. As you guys mentioned, there's combo, all kinds of aggro and disruptive decks. So my question for you guys is, why do you opt to play a control deck in this kind of format that's so wild, there's so many things you have to fight against? Um, for you guys, what is what is it about this control deck that makes you want to play this kind of archetype, where to me it seems very uh, difficult to, to pull it off? Okay, um,
3: at first I was playing one of the degenerate decks, and so one of the issues that I have with it is... There are a lot of um, there are a lot of control decks in the format too. So playing one of those decks opens you up to um, just being able to be shut down by some of those decks. Another thing is, I mean, I think Podpost is kind of a de- degenerate deck in a way. Um, I think Capsize is one of the more broken things you can do in the format, actually. But as far as speed goes, um, there's only a couple decks that are really that fast. I mean, like Infect and Storm are pretty much the big two uh everything else is not really too fast
2: no i agree with him and uh, i add uh, that uh, casting the mood drifter is actually one of the best things you can do in the format it's uh, more powerful than it seems i think and the uh, cloud post uh, casts it uh, earlier than uh, usual.
0: definitely all right then okay well let's uh let's move on into the matchups then Let's start with uh, Delver Aggro. Uh, so, Fraggle, what can you tell me about this this matchup? Uh, you know, is it a good matchup? What, what can we do uh, to improve the odds against that? Uh,
2: yes, I think uh, I think it's a good matchup, but it's also one where the player skill is uh, involved more. And um, I think that the key to winning this matchup is uh, to survive the early turns and uh, that is uh, usually doable, because uh, you have a lot of uh, one uh, casting cost in your spells, and then you have to absolutely resolve uh, mood lifters or uh, compulsive research. And uh, this is uh, one thing I noticed uh, while playing this matchup, was that uh, later in the game usually you have uh, more draw than them. But, uh, Often you end up with the same amount of cards in hand, and uh, that is because they have uh, such a lower uh, land count that uh, they make up for all the rose spells with uh, by drawing less lands. Okay. I don't know if I was uh, here. Uh,
0: yeah. So you're saying that that so at uh... As as the game goes on, you, uh, they they still have plenty of gas thanks to the fact that they're not yes. drawing so many lands. And you you well, you you draw a lot more cards, but a lot of those are, are still lands. Lands, yeah. So um, so and, how, uh, how do you take how do you take control of uh, of that situation? Because they, they have yes,
2: counter spells as well, right? Right. So the the key, the key is uh, to resolve a um, drifter. Okay. But yeah. uh, as, as you said, they are counter spells. So. Often you have to bait them with the removal spells. I, uh, one thing I do often is uh, cast a uh, uh, lightning bolt in their uh, end turn step, mm-hmm. and if they counter, I untap and uh, resolve my own drifter. Yeah, oh, okay. It gives give me some cards and uh, stops their uh, mm-hmm. their fires or uh, their delvers and uh, and such. Okay. And uh, I mean, this is of course is not going to work every time, but you can pull it off often because often the opponent does not know does not know how to play this matchup correctly. Mm-hmm. I think they absolutely have to keep Counter Spell Mana open for Mud Drifter.
0: Okay, so uh, that one, that's key for them against you. All right. Yes, yes,
2: because one thing about Mud Drifter is it. Not only it uh, draws you two cards, but it also stops uh, all of the creatures, except for the Golem. but it's uh, it, um, it is uh, a virtual card advantage because all the fairies are uh, useless if you have one more drifter on the board yeah and uh, if you are in uh, need of trading with that helper you can do so and such yeah so it's actually it is actually more important than uh, it seems and um i mean so i think the key is really to resolve new drifter and second the compulsive research for the same reason because you're going to draw so many lands and they're not so you have to absolutely make it up uh, make up for this by resolving your those space okay and uh, also sometimes they the fact that they play so little lands is uh, also another way to resolve these spells because they often uh, only have uh, one uh, counter spell uh, up and you can play a Mood Drifter and counter their own counter spell oh, with a Hero yeah. Blast or a Great Pit or such. Ah,
0: I see. So, uh,
2: they're not going to have four mana easily. Or, uh, you know, I don't know, you wait until they tap out for something, so they, tap out. they tap one or two lands for something and then you cast your Mood and you can counter the the single counter spell. Yeah, makes sense. So I often keep uh, wait until I'm, re- I'm sure that I can resolve my old rister or my compulsive, even taking damage in the process if needed.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, what about uh, sideboarding? Any any sideboarding tips for this matchup?
2: Um, generally, I take out the. Mystical teachings, because I in my experience it uh, it's just an expensive uh, removal or counter spell. and am um, I am siding uh, in Hero uh, Blast, so it's the same but cheaper. Oh yeah, and uh, um, I take out the condescent I only have one because uh, I think it's so full in this matchup. It's uh, they have uh, cheap threats and uh, you often have to tap out to resolve your spells, and uh, you cannot keep uh, a lot of mana up for uh, Condescent. Mm. And uh, the last card I take out is uh, Capsides, because uh, it is good, but you, you can be sure that you can resolve it uh, multiple times during the, the game. You can resolve it once or twice, but uh, then they draw a counter spell, and uh, you cannot uh, do it anymore. And in order to gain an advantage with it, you need to keep casting it every turn.
0: Yeah.
2: It's also not that great in the early game.
0: Yeah, certainly. Sure.
2: So it's, it's strange, but I think it's a cut in it. Also, you cannot bounce their lands because they are dates, and dates always counters as their size. Yeah, okay. They just the land you targeted. It's also very important to play around dates and... Uh, stutter tight mm-hmm. uh, again it is the same than uh, bef- i said before i often keep uh, my spells in hand until i'm sure i can resolve them or i don't care if they get countered because i have better teams to play so for example sometimes i take damage from the elver while i have uh, let like a bolt in end just because i don't want to run into one an mm-hmm. and uh, or i wait a little bit more until i until i can play spells around dates. okay yeah makes sense and uh, so yes the T is often uh, to wait because uh, once you once you get uh, to you get some more lands into into play, you can uh, counter their own counter spell or uh, resolve your spells, which is uh, very important. Okay. And they don't have uh, often they don't have such a great uh, clock.
0: Oh, so they're not they're not putting as much pressure as they'd like to. Yes. Okay. Because
2: unless they have a uh, Delver, which can happen, but uh, you have uh, so many one removal one casting cost remover spells that you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. They have fire, uh, no, but you can easily take one damage a turn or two and uh, wait until uh, you have uh, more mana to operate better.
0: Oh, okay. Um, all right, um, uh, 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 John, do you have anything to add?
3: Um, yeah, Moldrifter is definitely probably our most important card to resolve in this matchup. And another one that I think is really important is um, Serrated Arrows. Because Serrated Arrows, it can kill all of their fairies. Um, it kills Phantasmal Bears, it kills Unflipped Delvers, um, and it can just make combat miserable for them. Like, you can shrink their creatures in combat and block them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, uh,
3: one, thought... other, one other thing I'd like to say is, um, in general, when we, when we talk about matchups, I think it's important to know what you're playing against before you um, before you decide the hand to keep. And one of the one of the other things I like to do is try and find my opponent's uh, most recent deck list on the internet. Um, and this is important in the Delver matchup because some lists don't play days. And if you know that they aren't playing days, then you don't have to play around it, and it can be uh, helpful. Yeah. Yes. It's very nuts
0: and bolts there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, i actually have the uh, instructions in the uh, poppers cage blog on how to find uh anybody's list using google so man, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put a link on I the show notes
2: i usually watch uh, the replays of my opponents but i don't uh, really go for uh, decades also because sometimes you can get it wrong because yeah, they reach that and they change a the few things and such yeah and also i agree completely with the the serrated darrow's part it is uh, actually the second best spell after the Drifter, I think. <laughs> and uh, one other thing I want to add is uh, that often I lose not because uh, they have uh, too much pressure or, or such, but uh, because I don't throw I don't draw enough lands. So it, when uh, deciding uh, the hand to keep, it is best to throw away hands uh, with uh, sketchy mana and such. They prey on these hands.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, all right. Well, that, that was great information. Thanks. Uh, let's move on to a very similar matchup. This is still mono-blue, but now it's a more controlish mono-blue control. So I'm talking about the deck that only has uh, very few creatures, uh, maybe some uh, Spiral uh, Golem and maybe some Delvers. I believe the strategy is slightly different against this deck, and the odds of winning are also
2: different. Uh, the strategy is uh, still to resolve your, those spells, I think, but here you want to you generally do it in a different way, because you generally have more mana than them, mm-hmm. and this means you can uh, cast more spells in a single turn than them, and so you are going to resolve some, and uh, they cannot counter uh, everything
0: okay um and i i guess in this matchup the serrated arrows wouldn't be that useful right because they they're not going to have a lot of creatures
2: yes it is uh, less good less good okay um, this, this is fine because it gives uh still gives you some card advantage so it's still a card i like to keep in, but it is uh, definitely less good Okay. Also, this um, this kind of I think this kind of mono you know, blue is uh, less played now. It was uh, more popular before.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, seen less play. But I want to talk to Dime Collector before we finish because he recently um, just uh, published uh, a set of videos with that deck. Isn't that right,
1: Dime? Yes, and I'm very flattered that you checked them out.
0: I well, I retweeted them, of course. I, I'm always aware. <laughs> Um, did you play, I, 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 what, what I'm sorry to say this, but I haven't had a chance to actually look at them, uh, cause they, they only came out uh,
1: a couple of days ago, right? Or, or right. Y- yesterday. Um, did you play cloud post in any of them? Not in this recent installment, but I did play cloud post on the previous one, which is episode seven of my series.
0: Okay. And so, um, what, what, uh. Any, any experiences you want to share from from that from those
1: games? Well, I think Fraggle's right that the post deck is obviously going to have a ton of mana, a huge mana advantage the later the game goes on. And I think they definitely have a, a very strong game one advantage because my version of the deck plays eight creatures that can attack, and I think you know the other lists don't play much more than that. So the mono blue control deck has very few threats. And it typically wants to outlast its other opponents and then just resolve one or two of those threats and win the game. But against posts, you can't really do that because they have so much removal and so many ways to deal with creatures. So game one is almost a buy for blue-red posts in a lot of situations. I think the only way that mono-blue control can win with a creature plan is to flip delvers very quickly and be able to protect them. So it's a very narrow case in which the mono-blue control deck can win that way. What I like to do after board is go into a mill strategy, and that is uh, a very exciting way to play Magic. And it's not foolproof, but I think it's a little bit better than trying to beat down against posts. So you use Curse of the Bloody Tome? Uh, for, for that strategy? Yes, I've board in four copies of Curse of the Bloody Tome, and it's been working okay against unsuspecting players, but I think uh, if I were to face John or Fraggle, they might be a little more keen to what I'm doing, since they're going to look up my decklist online. <laughs> uh, would,
0: would you keep Capsize if you realized that they were playing Curse of the Bloody Tome?
2: No, I would still cut it for the same reasons as before, and uh, I think that the Bloody home plan is okay, but not great, because you are Pyroblast, so you have a, an answer to the courses, and this is a card that you are going to board in anyway, so... You're not open to, to surprise anyone.
0: Uh yeah, I, uh, for some reason I hadn't thought of that. Of course you have Pyroblast. So anything to add, John?
3: Um not really. I generally keep in cap size, but that could be wrong. I just like to have the potential to abuse it late game. Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think we've we've talked enough about this blue matchup. Uh, the next matchup is uh, the storm. So this is the empty the Warrens or Shop storm. There are two flavors. We got the Grixis storm and the red blue storm. And John, since you're the expert on on these on these decks, since you've been playing them, um, so can you talk about, talk about this matchup?
3: Sure. Um, I'll go into Grixis storm first. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what, probably our worst matchup, I'd say. Um, at least with my iteration of the deck, we only have a couple cards in our entire deck that can interact with them, um, which are counter magic and sometimes electricity if they're on the empty the Warrens plan. the The game plan in game one is to, uh, if you have a counterspell, try and disrupt a part of their combo. Like the 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 strategy with Grixis Storm is trying to deprive them of a resource that you think will cut them off for good. Like, you can either attack their mana, like countering rituals, or you can counter their draw spells. I find that, personally, I prefer to to try and keep the cards at hand, uh, the cards in their hand lower. So, countering something like an Ideas Unbound or a Sign in Blood may just uh, push them towards fizzling. That's your goal game one. Um, In game two, we have a lot more interaction with them. All of our removal comes out. Uh, The flame slashes, the lightning bolts, the straight arrows, all that. Mm -hmm. And I bring in three pyroblasts, three hydroblasts, two electric and three earth rifts. Okay. Um, And the land destruction plan, uh, I've had mixed results with it. Sometimes it it works, and you can cut them off of having enough mana. But sometimes it doesn't. It's just too slow, and you you have to keep your mana open for their turn. So I've, I've been back and forth on that one, but... We don't have any, I mean, I don't have anything else to bring in, so Earth Rift just comes in anyway. Yeah. It's better than just
0: removal that's not going to do anything, right?
3: Right. And the game plan is the same in game two. Um, I like Pyroblast a lot because it counters their ideas Unbound, and that's one of their big spells they need to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, drawing three cards is a lot for them. They can generate tons of mana, and that's something I usually don't worry about. But countering the draw spells is something I like, I've had good results with.
0: Okay. So, um, one of the problems with Storm is that even if you disrupt them a bit, you still have to beat them before they, they recover their hand, right? So, how do you go about beating them as fast as possible?
3: Well, with Grixis Storm, typically when they go off, they sacrifice all their lands. And another thing that if they fizzle, like... A lot of times they will have cast ideas Unbound, so they're going to have to discard at the end of the turn. Mm. So a lot of times if this deck like fizzles, they don't have any lands or any cards in their hand at the end of the turn. So it's pretty hard for them to re- recover at that point. Okay, and they just scoop. Yeah. Or you can, I mean, at that point you can just start casting your Moldrifters and not worry about them having one or two cards in their hand because they're not going to be able to go off from there. Mm-hmm. Another thing is cap capsize. Um, if, you, if, you, if they fizzle and you've gotten them to the point where they're trying to rebuild, you can just keep capsizing their lands, and they keep coming into play tapped.
0: Yeah, and then it's over, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: Um, so should I move on to... Uh, yeah,
0: they're they're, they're going to be very similar. So move on to Red, Blue, Storm, and then we'll ask Fraggle what he thinks about them both.
3: Okay. Um, this deck has a, a better focal point where we can um, focus our energy on disrupting them at, because they're they're all in on Empty the warrens. Mm-hmm. And so, um, finding electricity and resolving it, and making sure they don't have like uh, goblin flutter or something, is your game plan. Um, game one, game one is a tough one sometimes because we only have one copy of electricity in the deck. Um, if you can get enough lands to like cast mystical teachings and find it, then that's good. And generally, they don't have an answer to it. Game one, mm-hmm. so that's one of the ways we can win that game. Game two, they're going to have disruption like the spell or hydroblast, and so you have to be a little more careful about trying to resolve it.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, uh, Fraggle, do you have any any anything you want to add?
2: No, I mostly agree with John, but uh, I mean, against Gritsis, the the best plan is definitely to counter those spells. But sometimes they just have the the Storm cards in hand, and you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. You just build up the Storm count. Yeah. And uh, instead, I think that the uh, Blue-Red-Storm uh, list matchup is uh, a bit better, mm-hmm. because, uh, as John said, yes, uh, we can uh, just deal with the Empty the warrants tokens. And uh, I think uh, even if they have this uh, spell and the Blast, you are usually in a good spot in the late game because uh, you just build uh, an unbeatable hand. You just have uh, double uh, electricity and uh, five counter spells and they're ne- never going to beat it because they need to cast rituals to, to build storm up.
3: Yeah, I agree. And one thing I'd like to add here is if you do have that hand, you know the the two electric electricity and a bunch of counter spells, don't tap your lands too low. I've seen this mistake made by top post players a lot when I'm playing storm and that's like they have an unbeatable hand, but then they tap too low and you can you have just enough counter spells so that you can fight through it.
2: Yeah, I agree, I agree. In fact, I think the you can lose the, that matchup uh, mostly in the returns where you have uh, only a few lands uh, to cast your counter
1: space. Um Have either of you guys played against a card called Giga Drowse in the blue-red Storm deck? And if so, how does that affect the games and how you play against it? That's my first question.
0: Okay, uh, we'll start with John.
1: Yes, um I
3: have played against Gigadros quite a bit with the um the storage land version of Blue Red Storm. Uh, um, I think that's Can you tell me what the the card does? Sure, it's a blue instant. It costs blue and it has um, replicate, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. You copy it for each time you play the Pay the replicate cost, which is blue, and so for each time you copy it, you can tap target permanent. Okay. Um, this this is a problem card. Uh, this is another one of the reasons why I like to see my opponent's deck list before before playing, before making any decisions when, in the game. Because if you know they have Dross you can kind of play around it. Um, but if they, this is one of the harder cards to play around. If they have it, they're going to try and tap you really low on uh, your end step, and then they're going to untap and be able to have all their mana available to them. Yeah. And I have lost this card uh, several times. It's it's a, it's a good one against us. So, how do you play around it though? By not like if you if you don't think they have Gigadrill, you can afford to keep fewer lands open. Okay. But if you have if you know that they have it, you have to keep as many lands as possible open, oh, okay. and especially colored mana. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything to add,
1: Tragel? Uh, well,
2: I think that the, they usually don't have uh, many blue mana open and blue mana in the early game. So, Viga is uh, less effective. And uh, later on, what I did was uh, usually just uh, counter, counter a few of the Viga Dross copies to keep some of the lands open and uh, then... Uh, Try to counter the the other spells they play, but of course, sometimes does not work. Oh. But yes, it's it's definitely a problematic card, but it is not not really. Uh, you don't just lose to it; you still have a good chance. I think. All
1: right, question number two, and Gavom, you may have been planning to ask them this, but I okay. I just ask just in case. Do either of you guys have any experience playing the card called Hindering Touch? And if so, or if not, how do you feel it works in this matchup? Okay, so first, uh, what does Hindering Touch do? So, Hindering Touch, I believe, is an instant for three colorless and blue, mm-hmm. and it says counter-target spell, and it has storm. Yes, so it's it's
0: the, the storm counter, the storm breaker. Um, let's start with Fraggle this time.
2: Well, I tried the card for a little bit of time, and I think it is... Um, not really the answer uh, you want because uh, they often uh, just uh, just uh, play another storm, ca- storm card and uh, it does nothing. Then they can easily beat it by playing um, more co- more copies of a storm card. Okay.
3: Uh, what about you, John? Um, yeah. First, I'd like to add that it's counter target spell unless it's controller pays two. Yeah. Um, so they can pay for some of the copies if they want to. But this card is. Um, Hypothetically, it's good against the Grixis Storm deck. One problem there is that they typically have duress, and they can, they can go off without even having duress in their hand and then draw it in the middle of their combo and then just duress it out of your hand.
0: Yes, that is true. I've, I saw it in a few sideboards, but it's a card that I don't see a lot, so I'm going to have to assume that it's not as effective as, as the description would seem. Uh, that 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 seems to agree with with what you guys are saying, yes yeah, okay, dime, so I guess that answers your question um, yes, thank you, <laughs> okay um all right, well let's go on to the next uh the next matchups, and so i'm gonna combine these two even though they are kind of different. Uh, they have a lot of similarities. That's Stompy and Impact. So we'll start with Stompy, because that's, that's a deck that's really uh, rampant right now. There's, there, it's very popular. And I believe this is one of the the more difficult matchups for is it Post, because it's very fast. So uh, let's go with uh, Fraggle. So how do you deal with this deck?
2: Mm, yes, it is uh, not uh, the easiest matchup, but uh, I think it's uh, least even because uh, what I do is uh, usually I try to play around their uh, pump spells and uh, I mean uh, for example I play slash on uh, on uh, Chuchu creature mm-hmm. because uh, I they might have uh, the mm-hmm. convoke uh, pump spell um, remember mm-hmm. and remember name and some some other times I no, I play my removal spells at uh, sorcery speed uh, to play when they are tapped out, uh, so they cannot uh, play by uh, fast food and such. Okay. The the difficult part I think is um, is the dealing with some of the creatures because uh, they have uh, some creatures that are uh, resilient to removal, and uh, for example, the Silana ledge worker mm-hmm. and uh, I, what uh, worked for me so far is uh, it's been uh, either to survive long enough until you can uh, take the game over with capsize and often bouncing your own uh, climate post just to gain some life. One card that, that, that has worked for me in this matchup is the, is the Seismic Shudder. Now you probably want to play electricity. Like triggery. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it uh, it can it can deal with the, their uh, Silana Ledger Walker, which is the the worst child, the best feature they can play against against you.
0: Yeah. Now, you you have Muldrifter, which can actually block. Yes. Them, block it.
2: Yes, and uh, you can block it with Muldrifter, but it's not that easy because sometimes they have some spells, mm-hmm. so you have to. Generally, you have to cast the Mold Drifter and then wait uh, a turn until you can uh, have the counterspell mana up to, to counter their pump spells. Yeah. But, of course, that is also not so easy.
0: Okay. Um, so, any sideboard suggestions?
2: Uh, I generally bring in the other uh, two Seismic Shudder, mm-hmm. and uh, I cut again the Condescend because it's, uh, again, uh, too expensive to counter their uh, cheap spells. And uh, I also don't really like the Rolling Thunder, because uh, these are a spell, but it's uh, extremely expensive, and it uh, they can just counter it with a single pump spell. Mm-hmm. And you don't really need it, because they don't have a way to deal with your Mood so you So uh, when you are in control of the game, you just uh, play one Mood Drifter and win with it.
0: Oh really? Okay, so you just just start attacking with the with the mold Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: It's uh, I do the same against against infect, and it is even better there because uh, they have they have uh, even less ways to deal with the, the Drifter. Oh, okay. You are Drifter is uh, less important as a blocker in that matchup. Yeah, you need it to block uh, the ledge walker, which is uh, the only one of the few ways you can deal with it. Okay, in, in, against the infect, you don't need to do it. With All
0: right, um, well, you mentioned infect. Uh, is, it, is there a difference in the strategy or because it's it's much faster, right? Much more explosive. Uh, anything you have to take into account for that?
2: Mm, yes, it's uh, faster in uh, and uh. The thing is, their creatures are uh, faster, but uh, they are are less resilient to removal. And uh, this kind of evens out in in the long uh, run. So you really want to keep uh, hands with uh, removal and uh, at least one red mana to to cast it. Mm -hmm. And uh, while against uh, Stompy, you can can keep uh, hands that are a little bit slower. So is the sideboard the same? Mm, no. Um, uh, I generally want to keep all my counter spells in against uh, Infect, because uh, uh, countering their creatures is uh, much, much better than uh, removing them with uh, removal spells. Oh, yeah. Okay. They have Invigorate and uh, the Phyrexian Mana pump spell, mm-hmm. so they have uh way more pump spells uh, that are free.
0: So do you wanna you wanna concentrate your counter spells on their creatures as opposed yeah, to their absolutely, their palms, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Anything to add,
3: John? Um about the Stompy matchup,
1: hmm?
3: I agree with everything he said on that one. Um Seismic Shutter is one of the good cards against Ledgewalker. One of the cards they they have that's a problem is Hunger of the Howl Pack. Um, especially in combination with uh Solana Ledge That's one of the ways that they can beat you, is you can't really get out of that.
2: Definitely.
3: Um, One of the cards I've seen out of the sideboard of some Stompy decks is Hidden Spider, because um, presumably we only have Moldrifters to kill them, so they bring in their Hidden Spider. I don't think it's very good, though, um, because you can still kill it, you can still capsize it, and it turns back into an enchantment. So that's just one of the cards I wanted to mention.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like that card as a sideboard in, in Stompy, even against uh mono blue, any of the, the blue variants, I I think it's too slow.
3: Yeah, definitely. And they can play around it pretty easily too. Yeah.
1: Okay. Do you guys like the card Magma Spray in general, but also against Stompy since it can deal with Young Wolf and, and stuff like that.
0: What does Magma Spray do against, right?
1: Magma Spray is a red instant from, I believe, Shards of Alara. It costs red, deals 2 damage to target creature, and if the creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Okay, yes.
3: Yeah, um, this card is good in some, in some matchups. You know, I could see it against, like, Loyal Cathar and the Young Wolf and stuff, but I, I don't think it will have enough impact on the other matchups. And in the matchups where it's good, I think we already we don't really need the help there. Okay,
0: um, I guess we'll move on
3: to the next matchup, um, and
0: that would be White Weenie. This is well-known to be Dime's favorite. Uh, we're going to go with John on this one. Uh, John, what can you tell us about White? the matchup against White Weenie? Starting with, is it, uh, is it a favorable matchup? I believe it is.
3: Um, this matchup is very favorable, um, especially with the list I'm running that has a lot of removal. Um, one of the... Okay, some of the threats that they have that are difficult for our deck to deal with are Guardian of the Guild Pact, Loyal Cathar, and out of the sideboard they have Crimson Acolyte in some of the builds. Mm -hmm. Um, But those aren't really that hard to deal with. Um, We have Serrated Arrows for Crimson Acolyte and Guardian and Loyal Cathar too. It works on all three of those. So Serrated Arrows is one of our all-stars here. All of our removal is good against them. And there's a couple different builds of White Weenie. There's the Chris Davis. Uh, He has various builds that are mostly just one-and-two-drop creatures with, like, um, the new uh, period is called the Falcon, Mm -hmm. the 2-1. And that's a good matchup because uh, Electricary is really good there. It kills all the Squadron Hawks and all the one-mana 1-1s. And one of the cards that you have to... I wouldn't say you have to worry about, but you sometimes want to take into account and maybe play around it is Prismatic Strands. Um, like if you go for a rolling thunder on a, on killing a bunch of their creatures, they could have prismatic strands for it. Yeah. Typically, how uh, uh, what would I sideboard in this matchup is I will take out all my condescends because just like in the the stompy and infect matchups, there all the creatures are cheap and you don't want to be. Um, Condescend is pretty mana intensive and it's pretty slow, so you don't really want to have it against their, a deck that's just emptying their hand. Uh,
0: a quick question here. So, in general, do you take out uh, Condescend against uh, kind of aggro decks? It, it seems like I'm seeing a, a pattern here.
3: Yes, um, especially on the draw. I don't like to have a lot of counter magic on the draw. Sometimes I'll even take out Prohibit on the draw because. It's just, uh, by the time you can even cast it, it's turn three. That's too slow against the faster aggro decks. Mm, okay. And I like to board in Arc Lightning and more Electric breeze. Some Against some of the builds, I like to board in Ancient Grudge. Like, if I see that they have multiple Razor Golems and uh, Bone Splitters, mm-hmm. Ancient Grudge is good there.
0: Okay. Uh, cool. Uh, Fraggle, any, anything you want to add? Before I let Dime Collector defend his deck
2: um yes i think uh, it's a very good matchup and uh, i i actually like uh, candescend this matchup i generally take out three uh, first because uh, you want to counter the guardian of the gift Pact, and you can do it uh, on uh, turn three with the uh, but not with uh, three okay and the same applies to razor golem oh and yep. uh, Yes, and uh, I don't really have uh, specific cards uh, for this matchup. I bring in uh, shattering tools because it's, it's good against uh, golem and uh, bone splitter, and but it's not really there for this for this reason. It's mostly for the affinity matchup.
0: Okay, well, uh, Dime, do you want to say anything, or are you just gonna go home sobbing and crying?
1: I don't know. I guess I could say just a couple quick things because I I am the resident White Weenie scholar in this format. And I just want to let everybody know that I have covered this matchup quite a bit in the past. I do have a a five-match series between White Weenie and Blue Red Post that coincides with a Pure MTGO article you can find on puremtgo.com. It really breaks down this matchup. The deck lists are a bit outdated, but I think the uh, the fundamentals and the, the overall strategy is still pretty sound. And then also in the white weenie primer in, on MTGSalvation.com, those forums, I wrote an extensive write-up on the matchup as well. I think it's probably the worst matchup for White Weenie, hence the sobbing <laughs> and crying.
0: Uh, and
1: I've also played the other side of the matchup. I like Ancient Grudged as well if they if they bring in um, Razor, or if they have Razor Golem. And I, I like to take out Condescend, though. I do think that Fraggle's points are actually pretty interesting and quite valid when you think about it. For keeping Condescend, you honestly don't really need to bring in that much. I think, you know, two or three cards is probably what comes in for posts because the the matchup is very good but um white weenie can win you just have to be pretty lucky you, you have to mulligan aggressively and you have to have a pretty good combination of cards you have to again be pretty lucky so that's all i really wanted to say about that oh yeah the last thing is i do agree with fraggle that a lot of the deck lists that show up are kind of bad or suboptimal in my opinion but i'm an elitist when it comes to uh, mono-white decks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know the best. Okay, uh, let's move on to Goblins now. Uh, Fraggle, you mentioned you wanted to, to talk about this deck, so uh, what can you tell us about this matchup?
2: Uh, yes, I, I think it is a very good matchup too. Uh, it is uh, slightly worse than White win, but not really much. And um, the key here is to deal with their... Uh, early creatures, and then start uh, refilling your hand with uh, those spells. I, I think the best time is uh, something like uh, mountain, island, uh, island, couple of spells, and uh, the Drifter, and then uh, no, some other lands, because uh, it uh, does not only allow you to survive the early turns, but also to refill your hand after a while. And that is, uh, again, very important because uh, just like the Delver, they have uh, so few lands.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And um, I generally like to take out the, um, the creatures with uh, true power first. And uh, I don't generally care uh, too much about the Goblin's leather and the uh, Moggrader. Uh, mm-hmm. Because... Uh, those are uh, the one that really deal uh, the damage against against you. Mm-hmm. Radar and the Sledder are better in uh, against uh, other creatures, other creatures that, uh, You generally just um, take over the game after a while with uh, capsides on serrated uh, arrows or glimmer post. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that that's over for them. Okay. Any any uh, sideboard suggestions? I imagine Hydroblast comes in.
2: Yes, definitely. It is uh, again the the, the key is to, sur- is to to survive the early turns. So you just want Hydroblast as another cheap removal uh, spell. I generally take out all the counter spells.
0: Mm, okay.
2: Because uh, they are not that great. it's actually better to remove the creatures rather than countering them is just cheaper and more effective okay and uh, i th- i bring in also seismic shudder mm-hmm.
0: uh, or electricery okay. now yes yes
2: because uh, one card that is uh, sometimes annoying is the Mog war marshal mm. yes and there is a good way to deal with it
1: i find that the post deck can win or lose depending on its card draw so if because obviously the Goblin's deck is going to run out of cards and start top-decking, but if the post-deck is in the same situation, it's usually going to be a lot more danger of losing. And there's one card that hasn't really been mentioned in any of the matchups, but I think in a lot of these matchups it just completely obliterates, and that's Ghostly Flicker. If if uh, post-resolves Ghostly Flicker ever in this matchup to gain life and uh, draw more cards off moldrifter, it seems pretty over at that point, so I just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Uh, i used to think that, that goblins had a uh, even a, a slight edge against cloudpost because they were so fast uh, I, I seem to remember love uh, kind of talking about that when we did the goblins primer but i think uh, cloudpost has gotten better technology should we say that right now goblins just are ba- uh, have a bad time nowadays so, so it's clear. Okay, so we have a, a a good good matchup against goblins. Let's move on to affinity now. So it's John's turn. What can you tell us about this matchup?
3: This matchup, um, I'm not exactly sure if it's uh, good, bad, or even. I I say it's slightly we're slightly favored in it, but I think it depends on the post build and the affinity build. Like. There are a couple of different versions of affinity, like some run the, the uh, Sun Chaser and the affinity Blue Creature. Mm-hmm. And those act a little differently. The traditional affinity is like Atog, Disciple of the Vault, Bling, um, the Frogmites, and Mirren Forces, and all that. And I think against that deck, we have a slight edge because a lot of our removal deals with their bigger threats, like Flame Slash, Electrostatic Bolt, uh, Harvest Fire and one, the big one that you have to worry about with this deck is atog and a lot of times with atog even though they can pump it to save it from a burn spell, I'll just hit it with a burn spell anyway like a flame slash because with flame slash specifically they have to sacrifice two artifacts to save it and depending on depending on the stage of the game that can they can either like, you know, sack two artifacts and it's still good for you because that's four less damage you're taking on your turn or something mm-hmm. or on their turn. One thing that I like to bring in from the sideboard to deal with Atog is the Hydroblast, and you don't even always have to counter the Atog with it. Sometimes you want to wait for them to go all in and pump the Atog a bunch, and then just kill it with the Hydroblast. So it puts them down a lot of cards. But sometimes when it's combined with Disciple of the Vault and Fling, it's that's one of the ways that they can beat you. Yeah, and if if
0: you have the, well, I guess if you have the Pyroblast, uh, the Hydroblast, you you want to try and counter the Fling.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, another card that we bring out of the board is ancient grudge, and that's really good against them. Um, okay, let's
0: discuss uh, ancient grudge versus shattering pulse. Um, let Let me ask Craggle this: Do you believe that shattering pulse is better than ancient
2: grudge? I used it to have uh, ancient grudge uh, for a long time, but uh, later I realized that uh, sometimes they just. Uh, can come uh, back in the game by drawing something like dog uh, or focus. Uh, so I wanted uh, something to that could seal the game for me after a while, and uh, in that uh, scenario uh, shattering uh, use is better.
0: I had the perception that. Um that it was a little bit slow uh, and that y- you weren't always getting that many artifacts with it because because it requires a lot of mana. Uh, is that why
3: it,
0: why you would use it, John? Or is, is there, there are other reasons?
3: I like the fact that Ancient Grudge is cheap. Um, that's one of the big things for me, but you have to have like a prophetic prism or a shimmering grotto to flash it back, so it can be slow too. Um, you have to make sure that you, you can make green mana, and that sometimes will take just as long as being able to buy back the uh, the other version.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I'm after this after listening to Fraggle, especially. I'm not convinced one is actually better than the other now, so I guess it's a matter of choice, metagame.
3: I haven't tested Shattering Pulse, um, so I can't really say too much about it. Um, I, but I do like ancient ancient grudge a lot.
0: Okay. Uh, d- d- were you going to say something else, Fraggle?
2: Yes, I wanted to add that uh, you don't really have to cast uh, shadow inputs with uh, Booyak if you cannot. You can just uh, use it as a as a shatter in the early game.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly.
2: And also, I think that um, finity is. Uh, uh, There are a lot of affinity decks out out there. There are some that uh, the the most played one is the one with Tathor and such, and you have a slightly advantage uh, against them. But uh, there there are some builds that have uh, creatures like uh, Quicksilver Behemoth Mm -hmm. and uh, Scale of... uh, Shisgoria. Exactly. And uh, those builds instead are... uh, Beat to beat you, and uh, oh. you, the matchup is uh, much much worse there. Okay. So they can actually beat you if they want to.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just building building the deck the right way. Um, John, uh, I actually interrupted you. So, uh, w- what else were you going to say about the sideboard?
3: Um, just that I like to take out the the counter magic here too, um, especially against the Atog version. The one that, that tries to kill you with the A Togging Disciple because it's a little faster. Um, against the other version, I could see keeping the counter magic in because they like to, they're not as fast. They play like big creatures that you have to deal with, so the counter magic can be good there.
0: Okay. So here's a question for Fraggle, uh kind of a follow up on what you were saying. Why is it that the the build with the Quicksilver Behemoth and, and the scale of Chisgoria has a an advantage over is it Post? What 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 makes those those cards or that particular build uh work better?
2: Because uh, all of our removal spells only deal uh, full damage, and uh, those cards can uh, pump creatures to five toughness or have uh, five toughness.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. so it's all it's all about the removal there. Uh, your yes. removal just, just becomes Easy.
2: ineffective.
0: All right, I see. Okay.
1: So I've seen a deck list or maybe two of blue red posts that play four Ancient Grudge in the sideboard, and that seems like a lot. I was wondering, is that. Do you guys imagine that's just for affinity, or is there are there other matchups where you really want a lot of ancient grudges?
3: <laughs> I can't see any other matchup where I'd want four ancient grudges, honestly.
1: Yeah, I guess even
3: white weenie,
0: which is one a good matchup to to bring in artifact destruction, but you don't need it. That's the thing, right? <laughs> right. Maybe that person had a bad a bad match against affinity, <laughs> and they they were just you know I'm bringing in all this. Okay, moving on then. Uh, let's go on to Mono Black Control. And it's your turn, Fraggle. What can you tell us about this matchup?
2: Um, yes, yeah, so, um, this uh, matchup is uh, good, I think, but uh, you can lose sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think the key here is to get to 5 uh, lands, to 5 mana. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when you are there, you can just uh, cast everything you top deck. Even if they disrupt you with the discard. Mm -hmm. And your spells are generally much, much better than than theirs. Also, they have a lot of dead removal spells in game one. And why? Because you play... I I used to play only four creatures, but even if you have a few more, their removal spells are not going to do much. Mm -hmm. And... uh, here also you have to learn a little bit to play around the, the stats. I mean, sometimes you don't have to play a land if you need it, because you can discard it to, to run the rats. I generally like to keep a uh, uh, Thetamorphic expanse on board if I don't need it, because I can use it to counter the effect, the effect of the uh, chittering Rats.
0: Oh okay yeah because you reshuffle right
2: yeah i just shuffle exactly and also yeah you generally want to counter the creatures rather than kill them with uh, removal spells because they get an edge they get a card advantage with the creatures
3: yeah
2: by casting the creatures so once they resolve they get their card advantage
0: okay um, is, is there any... Well, I, I can think of one really good card to bring in the sideboard. And that would be Deep Analysis. Is there anything, that uh, any suggestions for the sideboard?
2: I don't have uh, Deep Analysis in my sideboard because I think the matchup is already good enough. I generally bring in the one uh, single um, Ulamov Clashup mm-hmm. just because I don't want to... To be in the situation where they kill all my new drifters and uh, discard my cut sides and and i don't have any other ways to win i play few win conditions in my main deck oh, okay so it will happen and i just want to add another win condition it's not really very good in this matchup it's not in my sideboard for this matchup
0: oh i see
2: and uh, generally I take out uh, a single for a bit because again it is uh, I think the Manalik and Condescend are better because uh, you can counter the creatures uh, on turn 2 with the uh, Condescend and uh, Manalik. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you generally don't want to counter the Ramadun Zadats, which is their worst creatures, mm-hmm. but you want to counter the Linean Spectre or the Chittering rats. Yeah. Those are the important ones.
3: Um, I agree that countering their creatures is the most effective way of dealing with them. And sometimes, even when they resolve their creatures... Um, I'll, I, would pre- I would prefer to, like, discard my removal spells instead of discarding something like Compulsive or Drifter. Even though it'll kill their creature, like, you just let them two-for-one you that way. Um, another thing, that, this is one, another one of the matchups where I think it, I, the importance of uh, knowing your opponent's decklist is pretty important, like... A lot of lists don't run corrupt, and that's one of the one of the ways that you can die to their late game is just them corrupting you. After they've already attacked you a bunch, mm-hmm. and so if you know that you don't have to play around corrupt, or that they are not likely to have it, then you can play differently. Um, one of the cards I really like out of the sideboard and for this matchup is Arc Lightning, and that's because um, I usually I typically board out all my Flame Slashes. All their all their creatures are two toughness or less. So, and the sorcery speed isn't. Isn't as good here. Um, I like to keep in all the instant speed removal because of Okiba Gang Shinobi. That's another one of the problem cards they can bring in against you. Yeah. But Arc Lightning Arc is really good because they're trying to two for one you with all their, um, all their creatures. And all their creatures, they have either one or two toughness. So you can take out like a Liliana Spectre and a Chittering Rats with, with one card. So just being able to out card advantage them is pretty important. Uh,
0: what, what about Capsize? It seems like Capsize wouldn't be so good in this deck, against this deck.
3: Um, it's not good against their permanence, like bouncing their creatures isn't good, but it is very good when you can start bouncing your Prophetic Prisms. Oh, okay. You can, it's like free card draw.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, that's right. Uh, I guess then Ghostly Flicker must be pretty good as well there.
3: Yes. Okay. When Fraggle was talking about mono black running you out of wind conditions, that was one thing that I was having a problem with at first, too. And that was before I added the Mnemonic Wall. And because sometimes, yeah, in game two, they, they still have some removal and they can kill your mold drifters, They can duress you and take your Rolling Thunder or your Capsize. And I've had some games before I added Mnemonic Wall where I just literally ran out of win conditions. Like, they could just easily beat you in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so Mnemonic Wall is a really good card in this matchup specifically.
0: Okay, so you just, uh, you you play it, you get back your Rolling Thunder that you may have had to discard or something, and then you just deal lots of damage.
3: Yeah, and if you have the wall in play, um, and they go to duress you, like if you have a capsize or a ghostly flicker or a Rolling Thunder, like, this specifically works with capsize, but, like, when they go to duress you, you probably want to, like, capsize your wall, even if you can't buy it back, because then you can just get back the capsize next turn. Oh, Okay, I see, yeah.
2: I agree with him with the fact that uh, Mnemonic Wall is good in his matchup, but uh, I don't play it uh, because I generally don't like the card in uh, other matchups. And uh, I did not really have uh, problems with uh, them discarding all my my win conditions. It can can happen sometimes, but it's uh, so rare. And... uh, one other thing to note is that uh, the matchup is long. The goes very long usually. And uh, I'm uh, usually the faster player. So even if they discard my win condition, sometimes I just keep playing just to run them out of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, Did you say you don't play Mnemonic Wall in your deck at all? No,
2: I don't. I oh, wow. I usually I only have uh, four Mood Drifters and uh, one Rolling Thunder as uh, win conditions. and. Uh, I never had any problems, uh, any any real problem with it. I mean, sometimes you have to do some calculations and uh, realize if you can or can, or cannot cast your mudrifter because uh, then uh, you would uh, deck. Uh, you would uh, not have enough uh, attack steps to to win the game with okay. the other mood But if you are, uh, if you play carefully. You really don't need it.
0: Okay, so we're gonna do the mirror now. Uh, we're gonna start with Fraggle. I want to see what you have to say about the mirror, Fraggle.
2: Okay, so um, the fist game is uh, just about uh, only resolving capsides. sides. That is the the only relevant spell in the in the deck. Really, I I don't Most, know mostly. That. Mostly, I mean that and counter spells. Uh, the one who can uh, keep resolving the capsides sides just wins, and uh, uh, of.
0: I was going to ask, are you capsizing their cloud posts? Yes. Okay. Uh,
2: Not always. It actually depends. Because uh, sometimes they have a lot of uh, cloud posts and uh, bloomer posts, but only a few blue mana, a few islands. So I try to bounce that islands first in that case. Mm, Okay. And uh, because uh, that way you limit the, the number of spells they can play. And you do it uh, in a better way than just uh, bouncing their uh, Cloudopus because they maybe they have three. Mm. So you're not really asking them uh, by bouncing the Cloudopus.
0: Okay. And um, so is there a sideboard that you can bring in to, to give you an edge? Uh,
2: sure. Uh, most players have uh, the land, land destruction spell. So earth Rift. Earth drift and uh, sometimes uh, Stone Rain. hmm I generally don't uh, I don't play those. I have the four uh, Pyroblast and the folder Aeroblast. Uh, oh okay. I, I think that in my experience at least Hydroblast has been uh, better than the land destruction package.
0: Really? What what are you countering because they're they're you don't really care about most of their removal, do you? I guess no, it would for, be for their, no. the rolling Hydroblast, thunder.
2: Pyroblast is mostly for their uh, land destruction spells. Oh,
0: okay, for their own land destruction. Okay, yes, yes of course. But
2: uh, it is also useful against their uh, Pyroblast and the uh, Holding Thunder. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, makes total uh, sense. What re-
2: I think uh, what I really like is that it's not only for this matchup, but it's also useful against Storm and Goblins. Mm, yes. While the land destruction spells are uh, more natural. Okay. It is uh, a matchup where uh, skill matters the most. I think uh, you have to know when you can tap out and when you cannot, yeah. and. Uh after, uh, after uh, sideboarding, I think it's really important to know when you can uh, play your cloud post or you cannot. Because uh, sometimes I have it in my hand, but then I don't play it until I have uh, counter spell mana up or uh, an Hydroblast or, uh, or such.
0: Oh, okay, yes.
2: I, bring, I also bring in the two Ulamog Crusher. Mm-hmm. I really like the card in this matchup because I think that if you get to resolve it, it's uh, it is usually unstoppable, or if, even if they deal with it, uh, with a bounce or such, even uh, just one attack uh, gets you ahead in the matchup. Mm-hmm. And it's also a card that, um, even if you are behind, if you get to resolve it, it is going to the up the match in your favor. Yes. I often uh, managed to play it with uh, only basic basic lands while they had uh, some cloud pools. So I was uh, very behind, but then it, it does not matter anymore because uh, within a couple of turns uh, you, you win the game. Or to cripple their mana and you win the game afterwards.
0: Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to know uh, what your approach
3: is, John. Okay, um, so the mirror is all about managing your resources, and this means more than just um, what's, like your basic resources. I'm talking like your life total, the number of cards in your hands, the number of cards in your library, because like you said, um, sometimes you can't afford to cast your last mole drifter because you'll run out of cards, um, the amount of mana you can produce, your the amount of time you have on the clock these are all important and you have to weigh them all at the same time so likely if you're ahead in like several of these resources that's going to push you ahead in the game like being ahead on time is really important being ahead on mana is really important in this matchup um protecting yourself from capsize which ghostly flicker is really good in this matchup um because if they go to capsize one of your lands, you can Ghostly Flicker it in response and that just gets rid of their capsize and leaves your land in play.
2: Ghostly Flicker was, uh, wasn't around when I played the deck uh, the most, so I did not have uh, access to that spell. Okay, yeah. But uh, I think it is uh, a very, very good card in most matchups. It, just uh, casting it on Mood Drifter and the uh, Glimmer post, it is uh, such a huge advantage. Of the... Yeah. It's definitely something I would have in my deck list if I had to play it right now.
3: Okay. Yeah. Um, would Would you still not play mnemonic wall or arcanist? Mm,
2: probably, I would not play those. I I might want to play the um, Seagate oracle instead if uh, I have uh, more than one uh, ghosty flicker because flicker is only as good as. Uh, your deck uh, makes it, you need to have uh, a certain number of targets for it to be really good. So I might want to have uh, some secret oracles op- instead of uh, compulsive right now, but it depends.
0: Well, but the thing is that the mnemonic wall gives it another target as well, and it gives you a an infinite you know, way to use it, basically. Yes,
2: yes, yes. I understand, but I still think it is... Uh, something I would not want uh, to have and I'd rather have uh, some uh, Seagate Oracles uh, instead.
0: Okay. okay. Um were you going to say something else, John?
3: Um, I'd like to say just that time is a huge factor in this matchup. I've had countless matches where I've won from time, just because my running my opponent out of time, um, even when you're behind in the game, like, I've, I don't know, I've won way more matches than I should have because of this, and that's why, that's why I want to bring it up, is because you need to manage your time when playing this deck, and especially in the mirror, you, you just can't afford to like to waste any of it and there's no reason that like you should be going to time with this deck. You need, you just need to have more practice with it if that's the case.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely lots of practice. Okay. Um, talking about time, we are running out. Okay, so let's do a quick financial analysis of this deck. Um, actually, prices are very cheap right now for all cards. hopper so it's a good time to pick up as many cards as you can. The most expensive card you'll need for this deck is probably serrated arrow. That one is just above five ticks, uh, so it it uh, it was was hovering around seven ticks uh, just a few months ago. So uh, you, you'll do good to pick that one up. Um, Other cards that uh, are often above bulk prices are Condescend, Exclude, um, and Capsize, but right now they're sitting under uh, 0.2 ticks, which is basically bulk price, so those should be easy to get. Um, The other expensive card for this deck is probably Prohibit. Now that one is usually around 2 or 3 ticks, but right now it's sitting uh, around 1.5 ticks, and you can probably get it cheaper. So pick those up right now. Uh, Some other important cards are Rolling Thunder, which you can get under uh, 0.5 ticks. Um, Deep Analysis, which is hovering around 1 ticks. Earth Rift, which you might be able to get for close to 0.5 ticks, maybe a little bit more. Uh, You'll need some Cloud Posts, which are around 0.3 ticks. You might be able to get those cheaper, though. And for the sideboard, you definitely need Hydroblast and Pyroblast. And those are often also quite expensive. They can cost up to three ticks. But right now, uh, I see that they're uh, below two ticks. Uh, Pyroblast is even around 1.5 ticks. So as I said, prices all around are pretty cheap. So this is a good time to pick up cards. Overall, you should be able to build this deck for around 30 to 40 ticks, depending on how many serrated arrows and how many pyroblasts and hydroblasts you want in the sideboard. And that's a pretty good price for a deck as competitive as this one. Um, So if you're looking to to get into popper, right now is a good time. Uh, Just pick up all the cards you need and build this deck. All right, so uh, that's about it for for today, Dime. Um, why don't you tell us how uh, listeners can contact you if, or follow you?
1: Sure. Well, you can find me on MTGO. My ID is Bamboo Rush, all one word. You can also find me on YouTube.com. My account name is Dime Collector SC. You can follow me on Twitter at Dime Collector SC, and you can read my articles and watch. Additional videos on mtgoacademy.com, look for Jason Moore, and look for the series entitled Dime a Dozen. If you're interested in joining a clan, you can also check out the clan Popper Gnomes on MTGO. That's a clan I run, and we'd be more than happy to have you aboard, so feel free to do that if you're not currently in one.
0: Cool. As for me, you can find me personally on MTGO on Twitter as Gabo Cheeto. Uh, my clan on MTGO is Popper Crew, and I encourage everyone to join that one as it is the biggest Pauper clan and is very organized and has an active set of members that are always looking to practice various budget formats. Um, you can also contact the show by writing to pauperscage at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on our blog at popperscage.blogspot.ca. Um, so I, I want to thank you guys for, for joining us and for giving us all this incredible information. Um, so, uh, thank you very much, Fraggle, for, for being here, for taking the time.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I hope my English was good enough.
0: Uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you, John, for for joining us a a second time for both episodes.
3: Yeah. Thanks guys. It was fun.
0: And thank you, Dime, for, uh, for being here and co-hosting.
1: Gabo, it's been my pleasure, John and Fraggle. Thank you guys so much, and Gabo, thank you so much for being a fantastic host of this show. You do such a great job with the blog and everything. I'm going to do my best to uh, keep it going while you work on other things. And best of luck to you in the future. Let's stay in touch. Yeah, um, I, I will continue to you know stay in touch. I just uh,
0: I, I won't be participating actively in the. In the podcast uh, as i mentioned last episode um, but i'll be around there'll, there'll be way to ways to contact me uh, I'll, I'll you know i'll be on twitter i'll i'll be on email um, so but thank you thank you very much everyone for for listening to these wonderful 16 episodes we've had uh, it's been a lot of fun for me and i will be back i promise that so uh so everyone uh till next time and see you soon